Welcome to Ask the Dean. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm the co-founder of MAPT. I'm joined every week by Rachel Grubbs, the other co-founder of MAPT, who has 20 years' experience in the pre-med and test prep world, and by Dr. Scott Wright, former executive director of TMDSAS and former director of admissions at UT Southwestern Medical School. Ask the Dean is a weekly Q&A we do live exclusively for our MAPT members, and this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Ask the Dean, episode 93. Here we are, in, uh, and we're excited to, to uh, answer all your questions. Uh, Dr. Gray will not be with us today. It's his uh, kid's spring break, and so he is, uh, he is away uh, today. But you have all of us here, so we're excited to be with you today. So, uh, uh, Verenia, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much, Dr. Wright. I'm yeah. enjoying the slow and steady approach to spring yep. here in New York. <laughs> yep. Slow and steady. Allergies yep. are kind of kicking my butt, but that's okay. Um, yep. I, I don't mind the warmth. Yeah, right. <laughs> and Rachel Grubbs, what is the uh, what is the uh, word that Ryan always uses for you? MCAT specialist extraordinary. Extraordinary. There you go. Yeah. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I was just telling you guys, I'm starting to cook up something in my brain where I uh, take the intersection of my MCAT and test anxiety knowledge and my mindful breathing knowledge in my other life as a yoga teacher and potentially going to create some kind of session that's just like let us sit down and hack our brains out of testing anxiety so it's always really fun when i'm coming up with new ideas to be thinking about things like that um so i'm good miss ryan but i'm glad to have all of you yeah Yeah, absolutely good I think it'd be great to have uh, Rachel lead us through a, a mindful uh, I need breathing. I, I, I need that kind of thing. Exercise. I'm not even here, right? No, so I don't want to make no. people who didn't sign up for that. <laughs> but I'm going to offer it separately. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. There I, have you your, I have your header up. Do you want to introduce yourself, Scott? So, uh, yes. Hello. I'm Dr. Scott Wright, and uh, I'm here as a part of the as a part of the MAPT team. And uh, we, for those of you that don't know, uh, we uh, we are here to answer your questions, uh, regardless of what they are. Just uh, type them into the chat, and we will uh, we'll get to as many as we can over the next uh, hour or so, and uh, and it'll be fun. And, and I know we have a lot of uh, students that come and join us every week and then we have new new people every week but uh, we're, we're this is I know that we talk about this a lot internally that this is one of our favorite times of the week mm-hmm. is, is mm-hmm. Ask the Dean so yes. have our, have, we, we, are, we have a really good time and hopefully you do too as the students and so yeah absolutely all right I just realized we're not posting to Instagram because Ryan's not here so mm-hmm. I may try to right. go grab my phone and at least post a story real quick but in the meantime for those of you following along on YouTube or Facebook you can really post questions anywhere but the place we're most likely to see them is if you post on the map YouTube so map.tv um, I see some questions and comments already okay. um, so yep. let me get started here Okay, so JB asks, hi, I'm a sophomore, 3.8 cumulative GPA and 3.76 science GPA and make A's in all my classes except bio, averaging around B minus, B plus, A minus range. 
Is this something to worry about for medical school if bio isn't my strong suit? Any tips for improvement? Mm. Well, JB, um, with a solid uh, GPA, it seems like you've been doing okay in your sciences. I probably would not stress it too much. Um, You know, keep, obviously keep, the notes that you have, because you're going to need them right when you're ready to start preparing for your MCAT, you're going to want to make sure that you review that content, especially if bio is not your strong suit. Um, not something overall, not something to be too worried about if you're in that, you know, B plus, B minus range. Um, more more so making sure that you are still reviewing that content so that when you are, you know, when the time comes for you to take the MCAT, um, you do still have that information retained. Any other advice? Um, Yeah, I would say, you know, obviously, uh, JB, I think that this is the kind of thing that you need a a pretty deep amount of reflection on, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, really what is going on here in terms of the bio content that causes you problems. If you haven't already, I think it'd be a good idea to uh, maybe seek some guidance from uh, a biology professor that you have had in class and, and just ask them, uh, go to the tutoring center at your institution uh, to, you know, I, I think getting to the bottom of really what it is about biology that is really causing you problems, because my concern is that when you get to medical school, you know, it's going to be heavy, you know, you're going to be taking mm-hmm. genetics and, and cell bio and micro, and, you know, you're going to have a lot of biology. And so if you're struggling now, and struggling is probably not the right word. I mean, you're making, you know, reasonably good grades. B's and A's are, are, are fine. A minus is fine. So what I would say is just, you know, k- kind of keep uh, keep reflecting, keep trying to figure that out, maybe seek out some guidance from professors and, and your uh, uh, study, the uh, – whatever office on your campus uh, does w- deals with study aid and, and things like that. And try to get as best as you can get a handle on what, mm-hmm. what really is happening and causing you those, those difficulties. But in terms of the process for, for uh, medical school, the application and stuff, uh, I don't think you should stress about it. Mm-hmm. I, I do think I agree with Verenia. This is going to be an issue on the potentially an issue mm-hmm. on the, on the MCAT and, and, uh, um, so I would say, you know, it's definitely something you need to pay attention to. And it could also be, JB, that maybe it's, I don't know what bio you've taken. It's If it's a general biology course, maybe it's just not interesting for you. Um, you know, you may, as you move forward in your studies, you may take something like a microbiology or a genetics mm-hmm. class where, yes, it is more advanced, but it might be more interesting, right? Or anatomy and physiology or something like that. So maybe that's what it is. So I, I agree with you, Dr. Ed. I think that's a very good um, point to, to really reflect and, and figure out what it is about it that's just not making it click for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. All Thanks right. for that. Mm-hmm. Question from our friend Devin, who got in last week. Woohoo, Devin. Devin. Woohoo, congrats. Yeah. So Devin asks, what should go into a letter of interest or letter of intent? Intent. Is, mm-hmm. Intent. Is there a general rule or inf- info? Should he include, I guess, info about other acceptances? Yeah, so no on that uh, question. Uh, you don't want to mention any other school or anything. My my f- typical feeling about letters of intent is it needs to be short mm-hmm. and to the point. Uh, you don't want it to be beyond maybe a couple of par- couple of short paragraphs. Thank you for uh, interviewing me. Uh, I really enjoyed. Uh, 
you know, learning about your school and had a great experience, blah, 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 et cetera. And, uh, and then the intent part would be, if you make me an offer, I will very gladly accept and, and will matriculate. And so, but the key is just focus on what you're saying. Don't put a whole bunch of mishmash and you, know, you don't have to tell them what you liked about their school or what was great about it or, you know, what you can if you want to, but it needs to be short to the point and, uh, and then that's it. Yeah, I worked with a student once who her uh, letter of intent paid uh, let uh, was two pages long. Oh yeah, no. single spaced. No. <laughs> so we had to really yeah parse, parse that down. I said they're not yeah. gonna they're not going to look at this. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's funny. Next question. Good problem to have, Devin. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So James asks. For most meaningful experiences, I have two so far, one clinical and the other a long-term volunteer experience. Would it be okay to put down a hobby such as farming, which, which I have done my whole life? Absolutely, James. Absolutely. It's a hobby. It's something that you're interested in. I'm very sure that there's meaning to it. There's me- it's meaningful for you. That's exactly the kind of information you want to share with uh, an admissions committee so they can really get to know who you are outside of just you know, a clinical setting. So yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Jacob asks, will you ever expand your advising to include residency apps? That is a good question. I'll take this one as one of the co-founders. Maybe. Yes. Someday. Not this year. Um, (laughs) We we get that question a lot, especially this time of year, because we just had match week last week. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Ryan and I have a long-term vision of expanding uh, to kind of use industry parlance, both horizontally and vertically. By so horizontally, I mean, all kinds of pre-health, right? So pre-dent, pre-farm, optometry, uh, occupational therapy, um, all kinds of health professions. And then vertically, we kind of mean both before and after this, right? So helping pre-meds when they're in high school and they're thinking about college and the way that impacts their med school experience and also helping um, med students. So yeah, eventually, but we go, well, I wouldn't say we go slowly. We only go as fast as we think we can do right by the quality of it, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't want to spread ourselves too far too fast. Yes. Um, But thanks for uh, the vote of faith. Great. Great. That's a great question, Jacob. Question from Wit. Hi, Wit. I am starting to volunteer with a harm reduction agency syringe access program. Is that issue politically delicate enough that it will have a significantly negative impact on my application? Hmm. What do you think, Dr. Wright? No, uh, I would. I, I don't think you should be concerned about that. Wit. I, I think that um, you know, the 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 admissions committees get lots of applicants that are all over the place politically, and uh, so I don't think you need need to be concerned about that. Focus in on uh, the 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 uh, effort that you're making and and what you're getting out of it, and uh, and and. But I would not be concerned about that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I guess it shows my politics that I'm like, that's not a political issue. Yeah. That's a humanity that's issue. A human, that, yeah. And a public health issue. Yeah, that's absolutely. Like studies yeah. show that if we treat people with chemical uh, dependencies 
as having illnesses or learning differences as opposed mm-hmm. to character flaws, that mm-hmm. they get better. Yeah, imagine that. Imagine right? that. Yeah. Imagine, imagine, imagine letting that. science be part of how we make this decision. Right. So, right. You're clearly, wait, you're just going to gain points with me. I don't know about yeah. other people. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's one of those questions that's uh, seems simple and is actually quite challenging. Oh. So Daniel asks, what is a good GPA for medical school? That is a loaded question, Daniel, a 4.0. Yeah. (laughs) 4.0. Or or above. Or, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or above. By the way, AMCAS does not wait A pluses. (laughs) Yeah. You can have nothing but A pluses and you'll still only have a 4.0. I mean, generally, Daniel, I think that, you know, if you're shooting for a GPA, you know, I think that shooting for something three, five or better is, is, is a good target area to be. It doesn't mean that if you don't have a 3.5 or better that you're not going to get in medical school. That's not what that means. But mm-hmm. if you're shoot, you know, if you're, I don't know what point you're at in your, in your process, if you're a freshman or something like that, and you're sort of trying to target, you know, where you're going to, where you want to be, then that three, five or, or, or better areas is, is like, I think a good target area. Uh, any of you out there that don't have a three, five, don't freak out when I say that. Uh, but uh, so just to answer Daniel's question, uh, I think that's a good range uh, to look at. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the good GPA for med school is the GPA that gets you in. That's right. Um, that's right. <laughs> But yeah, the, the question is less about the number and more about your ability to handle academic rigor. Yep. Exactly. Take hard classes, do the best you can. Yeah. If the best yep. you can is giving you grades that make you worry, pause, reflect, yep. figure out how to do better, mm-hmm. then take more classes. Yep. Um, I'm way less worried about one bad semester than multiple bad semesters where someone goes, well, I don't know why I didn't get better. Mm. Like, well, what did you try differently? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Question from Ada or Ada. I volunteer at an Alzheimer's care center. I come for the patients, calming them down if they get lost or confused. I also play games with them. Is this clinical? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. The traditional, is it clinical question? We were bound to get one. Right. So, Ida, um, is it clinical? It is up to you to decide as the applicant and let the medical schools kind of make that you know, determination as well. So if you feel that what you are doing is directly impacting the care of these patients and you're, you're uh, involved in some way in um, helping them and, and maintaining their health and well-being, um, and you can argue that sort of in your uh, description, um, then yeah, sure, it could be. Yep. But ultimately, it's going to be up to you to frame it that way and for the medical schools to decide yeah. if it's yeah. sufficient. But having said that, it, it sounds clinical to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. We really want to help you guys start to think for yourselves in that regard. So we will answer these questions periodically because they're so popular. Um, they're so popular that we bought isitclinical.com, which now has a landing page for a wait list. Um, yeah. But uh, just to let you know, when the when that page is done, it's not going to wave a magic wand and tell you yes mm. or no. It's still right. going to force you to do some thinking and learning. Yeah. How yeah. dare we? How dare I we? I know, right? <laughs> Man, we are such a maze. 
Okay. Ahmad asks, what activities are considered to be extracurriculars? Well, Ahmad, any activity taken outside of your schoolwork, out of your classes, outside of your curriculum, um, things like participating in student organizations, volunteering, um, community service, um, hobbies, hobbies, Mm -hmm. um, whatever your interests are, Mm -hmm. anything, yep, Mm -hmm. traveling, um, anything outside of what you are studying and learning and required to take as part of your um, studies. So. Mm -hmm. Yep. And work, yeah. employment, right? Yeah, employment. Yeah, it's extracurricular. Yeah, yeah. if you it, you know, and and Ahmad, if you just if you think about the word extracurricular, you know, curriculum is what you're doing in school, so it's extra of that. It's outside mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. In addition to. Mm-hmm. Sumia asks, what are the courses that a pre-med student should take in freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior year? Oh, wow. Great (laughs) question. You seem surprised, Dr. Wright. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I mean, this is a good question. It's Mm -hmm. it's kind of, uh, it it depends a little bit on your major. It Mm -hmm. depends on, you know, it depends on what school you're at. And, you know, so there's a lot of, you know. Yeah, but I think... uh, I think maybe um, just the basic prerequisite courses to, to mm-hmm. kind of address mm-hmm. that. Um, would- you know, I, I think is now I'm assuming, uh, Samia, that you, you, you may be a senior in high school about mm-hmm. to start um, mm-hmm. college. You know, I, I don't know if that's exactly maybe, right, but. Or maybe they're a parent of. Yeah, could be a parent. A, a future yeah. pre-med. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think the important thing in my view the important thing is to, as a freshman, you want to take chemistry, general chemistry one, start start with chemistry because the chemistry sequence is going to take you a while to get mm-hmm. through general organic into biochem. And uh, so if, if as a freshman, to get started in the process, general chemistry one, general chemistry two in your freshman year, uh, I would get started in math. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what, whatever the highest level math that you're able to take, that you're qualified to take, mm-hmm. that may be pre-cal, it may be algebra two, you know, a, an algebra class, it could be, you know, whatever. But uh, I think those two classes as a freshman are really important classes to get started on. And then the rest of it, sophomore, junior, senior, will kind of flow out of that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Agreed. Absolutely. And then uh, the link is not um, a short one, so I'm not going to put it as a banner. But for those of you following along live, I posted a link to a pre-med 101 article we have that kind of takes you through prereqs and a lot of other considerations, especially yeah. for your early pre-med years. Yeah. So that's yeah. posted in the comments. Yeah. So that's a great question. Yeah, it is. And I want to emphasize, too, don't if you're just starting out and thinking about colleges and things like that, when you're thinking about this also, not just, don't just focus on the pre-med requirements, but mm-hmm. major in what you're interested in, major mm-hmm. in classes that are yeah. that you're going to find interesting. You'll do better in those classes. Um, you don't have to major in like a science major unless you're interested in that. Um, just make sure you're taking your prereqs along the way. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. 
Question from Daniel. How can I start preparing for the MCAT? I am a freshman in college. Well, kudos to you, Daniel, for being involved at this level as a freshman. I mm-hmm. That is awesome. Yes. Gold star. Uh, yeah, you, you <laughs> definitely... You know, you know, you know, we haven't done this in a while, but Rachel, I'm just wondering if maybe we could select Daniel as a great question. Mm -hmm. And it really (laughs) emphasizes what we want out of students to be really engaged in this process as early Mm -hmm. on as possible. And uh, if we were, you know, to select somebody out of this group to to receive a free uh, a free map to uh, subscription. I'd, I'd vote for Daniel. Cool. All right. Daniel, you are the winner of our surprise secret giveaway that we do many <laughs> weeks, but not every week. Um, so we are going to answer your question, but also email us at info at map.com. I just posted in the comments and we'll hook you up with a free year subscription to map. Yes. Um, that'll help you track mm-hmm all of your progress for the rest of freshman, sophomore, junior year, up until whenever it is you apply during or after college. Um, How can you start preparing for the MCAT? Well, some of it is with the same stuff we just said in the very last question. Mm -hmm. Go take your prereqs, start chemistry early because it's a really long sequence. Do um, do the other hard stuff. Get it out of the way, right? If you if you've got to do a calc or a stats and that's hard for you, or if you have to take some math to get up to the calc, do that. Um, get get cranking. Um, the other thing I would say that you can start doing for the MCAT is remember that you are going to need that information again. So colleges frequently sort of reward short term learning and cramming. Mm-hmm. Just. You know, you don't have to try to memorize it all and keep it every single bit of it in your brain for the next two and a half years. But remember that you're not just trying to get the A. You're trying to learn this information because you are going to use it again on the exam. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't advise that you start doing formal MCAT prep this early. I don't I don't think there's value in like working through passages and practice tests this soon. But But definitely focus on the academics. Get as many A's as you can. Learn it to learn it, not just to get the A. And then the other big thing I'm going to say that not everybody likes to hear is read, 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 read read something that is not scientific. Read something other than your science textbooks. Um, So um, I am a big fan of long form magazine articles. I mean, they're way longer than MCAT passages, right? But so the Atlantic or the New Yorker, the Economist or the New Republic, like Mm -hmm. not, I'm not trying to, (laughs) I'm trying to give a, Spectrum. Broad for, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can also go to longreads.com. Um, that's a great resource for, for longer passages. You need to train your brain to be good at critically reading and thinking and writing. So keep that in mind, too, that some of your some of your pre-med recs and some of your college requirements are humanities courses. Mm-hmm. And it's I often hear pre-meds say, well, those are easy or those are blow off or the information I learned in those courses won't help me later. Humanities courses are only maybe 50% about what you're learning in the class in terms of the data. Mm-hmm. It's so much more about learning to read, write, and think. Right. Yep. So take the opportunity. You are going to need critical reading, critical thinking, critical problem-solving skills on the MCAT. Yeah. Take the opportunity in your intensive writing and your, uh, your psychology, sociology, history, poli-sci classes to really work on improving that part of your brain because your science courses tend not to teach you problem solving. Yeah. Um, they yeah. tend to teach you how to regurgitate. Mm-hmm. So 
Mm-hmm. And Daniel, I would look into maybe within the, the philosophy department at your school, they may have like a critical, uh, critical reading, critical thinking skills class. Um, super helpful. Yeah. Yep. You know, the other thing I would say, I, I love the, I, the, the advice that you gave, Rachel, about reading these long read articles in Atlantic or New Yorker or whatever. And, and I would encourage all students to get used to reading things of that difficulty and length. Uh, read some of it at least online because mm-hmm. the, 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 you know, reading a piece of paper on the desk is different physiologically and psychologically than reading on the screen. The, the MCAT is a computer-based exam. You're going to be needing to focus on the screen mm-hmm. in deep articles uh, will, will really help if you'll get used to that. I, the way I like to put it is the intimacy that you develop with the screen, uh, you, want to, uh, you want to do that so that you're really used to that. Yeah, that's a really good point. all right good luck good luck yeah good luck daniel and kudos to you (laughs) daniel (laughs) another daniel HBCU, I guess he's... Oh, sorry. This is a two-parter. There we oh, go. okay. There we go. Daniel asks, born and ra- he was born and raised, or yeah, they were born and raised in Egypt, Coptic or- Orthodox, so I don't feel comfortable putting white since we don't identify as Arab. Moved when I was eight, grew up in a primarily black neighborhood, currently attend a HBCU. Would it be a problem if I put black on my application? So, Daniel, that is a question that you can answer. Only you can answer, right? So, it's all about who you identify. You've managed TMDSES, the Texas Mm -hmm. Application Mm -hmm. Service. Mm -hmm. You also served as the director of admissions for UT Southwestern. What's what's the ethnicity and identification questions? What are those about? Like... So, it depends on the school. It it also depends on the state that the school is in, uh, whether it's a private school or a public school in terms of what they can do in terms of using race as a part of their, uh, uh, of their admissions process. So that's going to, so for some schools, the, the race part is, is not relevant at all. They're, they're not using race at all in, in, in the, in the process and that the identification of race or ethnicity is strictly for record keeping and, uh, identifying on the back end, you know, what, where they are in terms of diversity and stuff like that. Um, other schools are going to use race as a part race or ethnicity and or ethnicity as a part of their, you know, process in, in terms of, uh, of, uh, uh, developing a class that has a, a diverse, a, a variety of backgrounds, et cetera. So, you know, I, I agree with Verenia. I think that you have to be comfortable with what you identify and right. you have to, you know, and then you have to be able to defend that. If it, if it came down to you defending that you put black uh, and, and this is, this is very um, a common question and probably most common for Egyptian students more than any other group of people. Uh, because it, it is a little bit of a dif- difficulty there. But I think you have to just be honest with yourself. How do you identify? Uh, 
uh, as an individual and then be able to, if it came down to it in an interview, for example, be able to, you know, tell why you identified in that, in that way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Agreed. Yeah, the system does seem, the ANCA system seems to ignore that there are people who live in Central and West mm-hmm. Asia, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I guess also parts of North Africa, there's some awkwardness there. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's about how you identify and also about how the world identifies you. Yep. Um, and we, we don't know that, we can't answer those questions for you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Getting a lot of repeat people. Those of you who have asked multiple questions, I'm deliberately skipping you to try to find someone new just to let you know. <laughs> All right. Okay. Prasad asks, got a D in organic chem one. Do you advise to retake the class? Yes. Yep. Sorry. Yes. Yep. That is a prereq. You must yep. retake that class. Mm-hmm. Yep. Easy. Sorry, but easy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And, uh, you know, as I constantly bring up and bring up and bring up, Prasad, you got to figure out why you made a D Mm -hmm. in that class. You got to figure, before you retake the class, you got to figure out what's going on with organic chemistry for you. 100%. Reflect, talk to your professor, talk to tutors, your, you know, the TA in the class, anybody and everybody that you can find to figure out. What what went wrong? That's uh-huh. going to be a key. Yeah. Okay. Question from Jared: Do activities that double dip in categories, for example, like clinical volunteering, not have as much weight as a strong clinical experience and a strong community service on an application? I'm sorry. I need a minute to process this question. Wow. Do activities? That double dip in categories. So, Jared, I think I understand your question, but you maybe picked an unfortunate example. On AMCAS, there are two different kinds of clinical. There's clinical paid and there's clinical unpaid. And they're both clinical. Doesn't matter whether or not your clinical is paid or not paid. Now, if you're asking about community service that's non-clinical, Right. So like, should I have clinical experience and also volunteering experience that has nothing to do with healthcare or medicine? Some schools are looking for that. Some aren't. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're asking more about, I have this thing that could count in two categories. Is that a problem? Either pick the one that you think is most relevant or pick them both and divide the hours accordingly. Mm -hmm. Right. So you could have a thousand hours of something that you think is 800 hours clinical and 200 hours, something else. That, that happens. Right. Just don't double yep. dip your hours. Yep. Yep. All right. Um. Hey. Esther, graduated university December of 21, have no shadowing or clinical experience. Is a one and a half gap year with shadowing and clinical experience enough for medical school apps? I don't know, Esther. Is it enough? Is that, that's a question to, to ask, you know, yourself, is that enough time for you to gain that experience and gain that insight and gain that perspective and the reflection we're always talking about to then be able to um, fill out, you know, complete an application? I mean, Mm -hmm. yes. Is it, is it a good amount of time? Yes, absolutely. Um, But will it be enough? Only, you know, you'll see, you'll have to make that decision um, as you're going through this process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
But I, you know, I think in general, I, I agree with you completely, Brittany. And I think in general, you know, a year and a half is a long time mm-hmm. and you should have plenty of opportunity uh, in a year and a half to get lots of shadowing and clinical experiences. And so, yeah, is it enough time? Yeah. Is that enough experience to really solidify for you that this is what you want to do and also give you enough, you know, fodder for reflection and like Verenia was saying, so I, I, I think it's enough time and uh, it, it would certainly um, benefit you to uh, for, to have that experience and, and, do, and do those things. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you, you, you've got plenty of opportunity, plenty of time to take advantage of opportunities mm-hmm. that, that you can do and, and, and get a, a lot of good clinical experience in a year and a half. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there is some weirdness with the way this is worded. Mm-hmm. Graduated December 21, have, present tense, no shadow near clinical experience, is a one and a half year gap. Well, you're going to be applying in 13 months, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I, I'm just, I want to be sure you understand that the experiences are for you to reflect on and to have stories to tell when you apply, which it sounds like is May 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't want to quibble over three months versus zero months or 13 months versus 18 months. But I just want to make sure you understand that if you're planning to apply next spring to start med school in 2024, and you don't have any clinical or shadowing, you need to start go getting that now. Yep. And get it consistently up until the time you start med school. Yep. 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 Um, okay. Similar related question. King Amanda asks, I will be applying to medical schools and will be starting a clinical job in June. Should I include this activity in the primary application or is there a spot to include this on the secondaries? Yeah. I think I think it's both. I think you can mm-hmm. definitely put it on your primary and then potentially talk about it in a secondary. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I said last week I was full of piss and vinegar. Maybe I am again. So, Amanda, here's what I you didn't say that I'm worried about for you. Is this the first clinical job? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, if you've had lots of clinical and you're just going to add one more to your mix starting in June. Yeah. I mean, list it. Project forward your hours. Um and sometimes secondaries will say, what have you done since you submitted your primary? So you may have a time to answer there. Um, what, what you didn't get at is how much clinical you already have. And I sure hope it's more than zero if you're planning to apply this spring. Yeah. Um, but maybe it is. There's a lot of room for interpretation here. <laughs> Oh, hey, look, we know this guy. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> nice. Well, are you bragging? Where are you right. going, Ryan? <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. Yeah, we want yeah. to know where you're headed. Oh, he's not going to answer that question right now. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I maybe opened him up to more than, um, <laughs> more than he cared to share. <laughs> okay, no, Ryan's not doing Ask the Dean from the Plane, guys. I appreciate that you love him. But uh, I skipped your virtual tutoring question before, uh, Johnny, because I thought it was one that you could think for yourself. (laughs) Um, What do you think the virtual tutoring is? Do you think that it's community service or not? We don't know who you're tutoring. Hmm. We don't know if you're getting paid or not. So I'm going to encourage you to use your critical thinking skills. If you want to ask this question again, come back with some relevant pieces of data about why you think it might be community service mm-hmm. and then we'll address it. Yeah. Oh, Rachel's just full of fire today. Oof. Oof. 
question from Camcast, Cam1, Cast11, I guess. Um, I was a part of a really cool clinical volunteer experience in August 2021, only for 10 hours since it was on a different island and stopped due to COVID. Can I still include it in my activities? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sounded like you really enjoyed it. You can talk about it, describe it meaningfully. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Definitely. <laughs> so Zach would like to know, what is more important, your MCAT score or your GPA? Both. <laughs> absolutely. Clinical. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> What's more important, MCAT or score or GPA? You forgot. Clinical. Clinical. Yeah. Um, they all and, matter, Zach. It's holistic yeah. review. Mm-hmm. If you um, think about it, Zach, in terms of a of a of a stool, a three legged stool. Um, if you think about it in terms of a three legged stool, if you take away a leg of a three legged stool, it's not going to stand up. It's going to fall over. So you can't ex- extract the the non metric stuff, the the clinical, the volunteerism, you know, all that from from this equation and expect that your application is going to stand up to scrutiny in the in the in the process. So it's it's all important. Uh, MCAT is important, GPA is important, and then the the uh, non-cognitive stuff is also important. So think about that three-legged stool. You want it to be secure, you want it to be flat on the surface and to to stand up to uh, what its purpose is, which is to you know to sit on and hold you up. So same thing applies here. Yep. David would like to know, uh, I have two professors, I believe. I believe they can write me a strong LOR, and I have emailed to ask them. They haven't responded. Is it reasonable to go to their office hours and ask them about it? Yeah, absolutely, David. Oh, yeah, for sure. In a respectful manner, right? You want to come in and see them and just kind of gently ask, you know, maybe they haven't had a chance. You can just say that. I know it's busy. Um, We're wrapping up in the terms or whatever point you're in in your semester just want to see if you'd had a chance to work on my recommendation letter or something along those lines yeah, yeah. just don't i would not preface the whole conversation with you haven't responded to my email right. so i came by your office right. definitely don't yeah um and, and again david we're not picking on you because your question is, is benign, but sometimes when we get, I didn't hear back, it turns out, I literally had this with a, a, a friend who's a professor a couple weeks ago. Um, so the student had emailed her at 3 a.m. and by 8.05 had emailed her dean and copied <laughs> this professor to say, why am I not being acknowledged? Hmm. Well, because it's been five business minutes, right? <laughs> um, uh, some people are on spring break this week. Um, mm-hmm. Most professors are notoriously under-resourced, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. let's give them lots of benefit on the doubt on why they didn't yeah. reply to your email. That said, and again, not, not specific to you, David, I love questions like this that are relevant for lots of people. If they're not answering, is that sending you a message? Right. So I absolutely think you should go and ask in person. I love that you want to do that because it gives you a chance to look them in the eye and to see, does the face show uncertainty? Do they pause for too long? If Mm -hmm. so, 
they actually can't write you a strong LOR and give them a graceful out. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, probably they'd love to help you and they're just busy. Yeah. But by asking in person, you get that additional chance to just mm-hmm. read their face, read the tone of the voice, and make sure that they are actually going to write you a strong letter of rack and not just a letter of rack. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Glad you're asking. Good thing. Yeah. Good. Good job, David. <laughs> okay. Miss Ashley, Miss Ashley88281 would like to know, would writing about struggles dealing with an autoimmune disease now controlled with medicine be a red flag? Absolutely not. Ashley, not a red flag. Um, You know, it's part of who you are, right? It's part of, um, you know, you talk about how it's impacted you. Um, It's not considered a red flag um, at all. I don't know, Dr. Wright. Mm-hmm. No, I, I don't think it's a red flag. In fact, you know, w- what I would say here, um, Ashley, is that what you want to do with this, as well as with anything that you're putting in your personal statement or that you're putting in writing, secondary applications, uh, activity descriptions, anything that you're writing in your application, what I think you want to do is you want to you want to understand very clearly what is your goal in terms of including that in, in the essay. In other words, what, what is the takeaway for the reader? Why are you including this? What is it because, is it because of your disease that you are going to the doctor a lot and that's, has really interested you or solidified your interest in medicine, you know, just be clear on why you're talking about this and what you want the takeaway for the reader to be after they've read that. But it's not going to be a red flag. No. Mm-hmm. Yep. Great. All right. Sorry. I've got a bunch of stuff that just came in. Uh, it's not so much a question as a request, maybe. Maybe. Giovanni <laughs> would like to know, I guess, what is a good timeline for this cycle coming up? So I wanted to deal with this briefly because uh, we're in it. Um, so if, if you're not on it now, you need to do some catching up. I'm going to do a quick screen share here. And I posted a link. So go look at the timeline on our Instagram. But just to give you uh, a quick view. Can you guys see that timeline? Does that show up? Nope, not yet. Nope. There we go. There we go. Okay. So I posted this link. If you just go to the Medical School HQ timeline, you'll see. This is something actually that Verini and I built a long time ago. And then our amazing social media manager, McKenna, helped us make it pretty. <laughs> um, we're, we're good at the thinking part and less good at the pretty part. Um, but so... You're in the crunch time now. The timeline goes all the way through next summer, but the the bulk of the work should be now. Ideally, you are submitting your primary late May, mid-June. You're pre-writing your secondary so that you have those submitted in early July or as soon as you get your secondaries within one to two weeks. And you're doing your interview prep in July and August so that you are ready for an interview if you get a last-minute interview in August, which hopefully you will. Um, There's more to it than that, but if you're looking at this and you're going, crap, it's, you know, March 23rd and I thought I was fine. I haven't started all the stuff listed in January and April. You, You can still do it. 
you need yep. to get cracking. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You need to get on it. Yep. Agreed. This is a marathon. It is. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's an open book test. And the best way to get the A is to start early and work consistently. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yanis asks, hello, how are you all? I'm a senior this year graduating high school and attending a university with a biochem major concentrating in pre-med. How early should I start studying for the MCAT? So we um, had a similar question earlier. Um, I'm excited that you're thinking about this and and planning ahead. Um, I don't think it's, it's never too early to start, right? Learning deeply, understanding concepts, um, keeping good notes, right? Because you're going to refer to them later on. Um, but in terms of actually preparing for it and, and create, you know, getting like a, a prep program, a study plan going, it's, it is a little bit early. Um, you'd want to start doing that three to four months before you're planning to take the MCAT. Mm-hmm. So starting college now, maybe you'd be taking it in the summer of your junior year. Um, so mm-hmm. spring of your junior year would be a good time to start yeah. uh, preparing for it. Yeah. yeah, some people will take the MCAT as early as summer between sophomore and junior year, if you've got all of your pre-med recs completed. Um, the kind of classic time to take it is January or March of junior year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that's, that's the rough timeline. Yeah. All right. So Johnny asked a good question. I said pre-write secondaries, and he asks... How would a student go about pre-writing secondary essays if the specific prompts are unknown? Ah, Johnny, but are they really unknown? Oh, good question. Let's see. Do we have that link? Oh, yeah. Secondaryapps.com. Yes, Johnny. So we actually have... um, uh, the prompts saved here in this um, on this site, secondaryapps.com. They don't change very much, right? They've, they're sort of mm-hmm. consistently been the same around the same things. They might have added questions about COVID um, in the last couple of years, but you can go to the secondaryapps.com and look up by school and see what the prompts are and start pre-writing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. So this is what it looks like. This is also, if you guys have mapped accounts, it's, it's tied to your mapped schools. So when you're mm-hmm. researching med schools, you can get to the same page through there. But secondaryapps.com, it's got every school. Click on the school you're thinking you're, you know, that you've applied to, and you can see what they did for last cycle. And that's what we recommend, is they change yeah. so little that you should pre-write based on last year. And then obviously reality check. Um, right. It's not a race. You don't have to submit the day that you get them, but within a week or two, show strong interest. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Spencer asks, how are cultural immersion trips viewed by schools? I've heard they are negatively viewed because you are trying to play doctor and you usually do things that you're not 100% trained for thoughts so we were just talking about this yeah we were meeting dr right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i mean ab- absolutely spencer uh I, so i i i think that i don't i don't agree with a couple of things that you said here um i you say in your question that you usually do things you aren't 100 percent trained for i don't think that that's usual 
in cultural immersion trips. Um, I think that you have to be the, if you go on one of these trips and a doctor, you know, we were talking about this earlier. If a surgeon, you're observing a surgery and the surgeon says, here, hold this forcep or, you know, practice stitching up this, you know, then you need to say, I don't want to do that. Um, I, I'm not trained to do that, and I would prefer not to do that. Um, you would not be allowed to do that in the United States, so why would you do that anywhere else? Mm-hmm. Now, so I don't, I don't agree that that, that that's typical. Uh, if if you are asked to do that or given the opportunity to do that, I would turn it down. But uh, I don't think that. Um, that in, in and of themselves that these trips are considered negatively. Uh, I think it's what you do during those trips, mm-hmm. and uh, that, that's what's going to be the key. Uh, I think these trips can be fantastic. Uh, I think they can be really awesome, and they can be very, uh, you know, really um, meaningful uh, to you in, in, in the process of, of what you do. But you just need to be careful. And uh, if for some reason you've already gone on a trip and you did do some stuff that you aren't comfortable talking about, don't talk about it in the in the application. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. We got time for one or two more. Okay. Question from Ali. Does it look bad if all of my clinical volunteering started just a few months before applying this cycle because of COVID? Yes, Ali. That is not a good look, unfortunately. So the idea behind all of this is that you have given this a lot of thought, that you have had some consistent experiences. Um, Even, you know, maybe you just decided to become pre-med and, you know, during COVID and things didn't, um, weren't available to you. Um, But if that's the case, then I would strongly consider delaying your application until you've had more time to gain some more experiences. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, everybody went through COVID. Um, People are still getting clinical experience. I notice you specifically say clinical volunteering. Yeah, it's harder to get clinical volunteering when hospitals are limiting staff or limiting non-essential staff. But you can get clinical in places other than hospitals. Mm -hmm. And you can also get paid clinical. Um, Now, whether or not you delay a year is up to you. But, um, I mean, those are your only choices, right? You don't have a time machine. So you either wait a year to get more experience or apply now and hope that you, you have enough. And we can't tell you how much is enough because it's about how meaningful those experiences were to you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, this is an interesting one. Densest Lemon. I feel like Densest Lemon has posted before. I'd remember that. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm on a precision, I'm on a precision pellet rifle shooting team. And placed fifth in my state. Wow, cool. Yeah, I really want to talk about it on my application, but one of my friends said it might be risky. Any thoughts? Hmm. I don't know. Why would it be risky? Yeah, I don't know that I'd consider that risky. Maybe maybe because it's, you know, handling a firearm. No, I, 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 well, number one, take advice that you get from friends with a grain of salt (laughs) because how would they know? Uh, But no, I don't, I don't think that'd be risky at all. I, I, I'd put it in the activities for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's a sport. Yeah. It's an Olympic sport. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why that would be considered. Yeah, I don't get that. Yeah. To make any sense. Um, all right. Okay. Question from Kim. One cast. Whoops. Can you guys hear me there? Yeah. How how old far back should research shadowing non-clinical volunteering be from applying in June? Be from applying in June. It's a year too old. Sometimes I feel like I should be doing all at once to be updated on my activities. <laughs> yeah. So go ahead, Dr. Wright. Sorry. No, I, I was just kidding. I was laughing at the little emoji there. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, no, I, I don't think you need to worry about a year being too old or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, include them in your, in your, uh, um, in your uh, application. And uh, I think it's very common for uh, students to have stuff that's a year or two, even longer old uh, in, in turn, it, you know, it's something that you did. And if you can talk about it in a meaningful way, then absolutely. Yeah. I think st- students think it has to be something the current or something. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it has yeah. to be recent. Um, yeah. And in fact, it's the opposite. You want to show yeah. consistency yeah. Um, over the years. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, the main thing we're trying to push with all of this is do a lot, a little bit at a time, right? Right. So as opposed to get all your clinical summer between sophomore and junior year, mm-hmm. start clinical early and do it slow and steady. So you are mm-hmm. going to have experiences that are older. We just want them to be ongoing. Right. Yeah. I heard a student recently say, well, I got all that out of the way. So now I can concentrate on that. That makes me super nervous when you say that, you know, these, and we've talked about this before, these clinical activities should be the thing that you desperately are excited to do. And you're excited every time you go do them and Mm -hmm. it's really energizing you. And it's not something that you get out of the way. Exactly. hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if clinical is the worst part of your week, then I would like to know why you think you want to be a doctor. Yeah, um, agree. And and maybe it's because I've done other clinical, I love it, and this current current clinical job mm-hmm. sucks, and that's okay, mm-hmm. right? So I'm not saying all answers are bad. I'm saying think through why. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Agreed. Mm-hmm. All right. Agreed. Uh, we probably got one more. One more. Whoops. There we go. Anusha asks, is it okay to do research without getting a publication? Would it be looked down on if there is no end result that is tangible, like a thesis or publication? Anusha, it's fine. It's okay to participate in research if you're not published. Um, it's it's not going to diminish your experience in any way. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. It's okay. Yeah, and welcome to the world of research. It doesn't <laughs> always get results. It yeah. is, uh, doesn't always have an end result in the time period that you mm-hmm. want it or need it to. Right. I mean, you know, research is research and yep. sometimes it doesn't pan out. And, exactly. you know, so, and, and that's often what you learn out of it is, yeah. wow, this was a lot of work and for mm-hmm. nothing, you know, so. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. All right. That brings us to an end. Wow. Yay. Quick hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why does it went <laughs> fast? Yeah. We miss Ryan, but yeah. we did our best. Uh, so same time next week, Wednesday, yeah. 1 p.m. There won't be um, an Ask Dr. Gray this Friday because, again, Ryan's off this week, but we will be back with Ask the Dean on Wednesday at 1 p.m. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you guys again yeah, then. Yes. Absolutely. Have a great well, day. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye.
This is Dr. Gray again, closing out. I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out Mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast. Track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.